following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial, football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. And coming to you live on tape on this October 10th. The fifth NFL Sunday of the season, recording right now at around quarter after 10 in the AM. Rich Eggy here with the Broken Helmet game day morning. We will run through all the games that we will see here in the next 24 hours and change. And see where everybody is headed in terms of bets. We'll take a look at the tickets. We'll take a look at the money, the sharps. Let you know where me and my brother hung our hat when we did the podcast Wednesday. Already one game in the books, and that was the Thursday night game. Saw the Rams win that one. Ugly as the Seahawks, in turn, lost their captain of the ship. Russell Wilson, he'll be gone four to six weeks with some finger surgery. Looked ugly and was ugly. I guess there was multiple things wrong with that finger, so they cut that sucker open and then fixed her up. Put a pin or something in it, I think I read, and he'll be back in four to eight weeks. I think they said six to eight weeks and might be back in four. You know, check back in in four weeks and see where that one lies. Anyway, right now we're getting to kick back on a Sunday morning. Thankfully, with a little NFL football. I mean, all right. I mean, is there anything better than waking up on a Sunday morning, early, 9.30, getting a little NFL action in there? Even though, I mean, eventually, one of these London games will be an actual good game, right? I mean, right now we're dealing with the lowly Falcons versus the lowly Jets. I mean, ugh. I mean, come on. How <laughs> they always manage to give us these shitbox London games. Who knows? But uh, as we're talking right now, Atlanta is up two scores here on the Jets, 10 nothing. And it was crazy watching the beginning of the game because they go to do the national anthems. All of a sudden, they go to do the Star Spangled Banner. And I, I don't know who, what her name was, but the girl singing it is up on top of a stadium. I mean, she's standing on a glass platform yeah, hundreds of feet up, and everybody is showing all the players on the sideline. They're showing the fans. And, yeah, I mean, it was a beautiful rendition of the anthem. But meanwhile, all anybody's doing is sitting there staring, being like, what the hell is she doing up there? How are they going to get her down? In part, and she, you could see, at least from the television angle, that they did have some kind of harness on her, and there was a rope connected. So I, while looking risky, obviously they weren't going to put any risk on there. However, then I saw it, and I'm thinking, you know, WWE uh, presentation type elements, and I said, oh, I wonder if they're going to have a swing down. You know, she's going to sing the big notes at the end, and then all of a sudden they're going to have a rappel down to, like, fireworks. And they didn't, but they did have, which is also kind of crazy, then they had a flyover with a whole bunch of fireworks. Now, I don't know where that was 
the fireworks that was and how high the the uh, planes were in reference to her. But I will say that when I worked at the Hitmen in the XFL, we were in the tunnel waiting to let out the players. This is the first XFL season, the first rendition of the XFL, not the newest one that was cut short by COVID, but the original disaster that everybody and their brother wanted to work and was really just a nightmare last one season. Anyway, we were in the tunnel waiting to let everybody out, and we kind of screwed up, and we had the players queued in the tunnel too early, so we were right underneath the fireworks. And this was before they did any of that kind of fireworks shit in the NFL. They never did any of that. I, there is, you could go back. The XFL gave so many improvements to the actual game day presentation. The NFL just simply never did. They just didn't do it. Um, and we're under the awning of the tunnel in the old giant stadium. And they set those fireworks off. And let me tell you, wow, it was hot. It was fucking hot. And the fire chief's there, and he's screaming at me because I was the designated. We didn't have a game day operation staff. So all of our, I was a marketing assistant, so coordinator, whatever the title was. And I'm, we had dual duties. So on top of being front office staff, we ended up also doing game day operations. So I don't know, I was in charge of letting the guys in through the tunnel onto the field. And uh, the fire chief wanted to know what the hell they were doing so close to the fireworks. How the hell would I know? I don't know. They, they told, told me to come down here. And then when I heard it over the walkie-talkie, send them out in the field. And uh, I had no answer. None at all whatsoever. But going back to this game, that girl up at the top of the stadium, I, I mean, that, that's why they're going to have her hooked up to a harness. Because when those flyovers go off and those fireworks Go, I mean, on top of belting out tunes that she was. Now, whether that was recorded or live, who knows. And, oh, and the Falcons here get, score another one. So they are mopping up on the Jets right now. Everybody and their brother was loving the Jets in this one. I did not see it. I picked the, the Falcons in this one. And right now they're up 17 zip. But, um, you know, her singing up there, and then all of a sudden all this stuff just happening above her. I, I mean... It's kind of risky. I mean, that's why they had her locked up with a harness because all those sounds, it's like, and, and the explosions and the heat, I mean, it, there's a risk. There's a risk there of her falling. Uh, although that was mitigated and eliminated by the harness that was strapped to her. So anyway, where am I? Oh, okay. All right. So we're about seven minutes into the podcast here and all I've talked about is the singer on the top of the platform. Okay. So enough of that shit. So uh, we are going into week five here. We've got the Thursday night game in the books, the the Sunday morning game taking place right now. And then the rest of these will be the one o'clocks. We've got usual four games at four and then the Sunday night game, which is awesome, and the Monday night game, which probably going to be a stinker. So let's start it up right now with our 1 o'clock games. And the first game is going to be the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans facing off in Energy Stadium down there in Houston. Well, this one is really screwy. So the Pats had opened up 
earlier in the week, and they were nine-point favorites. And I think they actually got uh, they got bet up as the week went on. I forget what it opened at, but the Patriots were driving the score up. Nobody giving the Texans any chance in this one. And earlier in the week, the money was saying as much. It wasn't a big lean toward the Pats, but it was 63% of the tickets and 60% of the money. That has changed completely. And the reason being is the injuries that the Patriots have now suffered. Well, not in injuries in one regard and COVID in the other. The Patriots are going to be down to one starting lineman in this game, and that's going to be David Andrews. All the other starters for the Patriots are going to be out. Trent Brown, Shaq Mason, tackle guard on the right side of their line, are out with injuries. Trent Brown, that calf that, I mean, you know, talk about terrible situation. They trade for this guy, monster, comes in, hurt, game one, and he's never been right ever since. So the right side is out with injury. The left side being Isaiah Wynn and Mike and when, ooh, I can't pronounce names. If you don't know that by now, get used to it. Anyway, when and when who are both out with COVID, which leaves David Andrews, their center, as the only starter on the squad right now on that line. They called up practice players this week to fill out the roster. And as a result, what you've seen is the line come down from nine to seven and a half. And while the tickets have not changed, the money has flowed very quickly over to the Texans side. The Texans right now in the money pool are now up to 63% of the uh of the pool. That's what it is. It's 63% of the money pool. So the over-under in this one uh, will stay right around 39. It was 39 and a half earlier in the week. It has come down to 39. So then the question really just becomes, you know, the Patriots and seven and a half points. I mean, forget nine. I mean, you have no linemen. You have all replacement linemen. So that's going to be the interesting thing in this one because the Texans, if Either side of the ball is better than the other. It's easily the defense. The offense, obviously, we know the struggles with the rookie quarterback in their sills. So now the question becomes, can the Texans' defense going up against a banged-up O-line, well, non-existent O-line, it's not even banged up, they're non-existent, um, are they going to be able to cause enough disruption to keep this spread down and obviously, the money thinks, yeah, they will, because this has come down now a point and a half, and the money is flowing over toward the Texans. So, next game up is going to be played down in Florida on the West Coast, coming from the big West Coast. I think it's the big East Coast. But anyway, the Buccaneers are going to be hosting the Dolphins, and they are going to be favored by 10 points. The over-under in this one is 48 points. That is the same from earlier in the week. But meanwhile, the money has come flowing in to the Buccaneers side. They are now up to 81% of the money pool. But the tickets, the general public is hit the Dolphins. Not that bad. They've only gone up from 30 to 38% of the total tickets. But they are getting a little love. Has not impacted the spread as that remains 10 points. The Sharps are going to be coming in on the Dolphins on this one. Uh, I, my brother and I both picked the box. Look, the 10 points is a lot. I mean, it is, but there's just too many question marks for the Dolphins in this one. I, you know, Look, 
we talked previously about Tua and how he wasn't good, and then Brissett came in, and then everybody thought Brissett might be an upgrade because he could throw the ball, and then what you've seen over the past couple of weeks is why Jacoby Brissett is a backup quarterback. He is what he is. He's not terrible. He's just not a starter. If he was a starter, he would have possibly been kept by the Patriots at one point. Maybe he would have been kept by the Colts, but he hasn't been kept anywhere, and now he's down in uh, Miami and under helm, under the center, at the helm of the ship. And they're going to have to try to keep this one within 10 points. Uh, in regard to injuries, the Buccaneers are the ones that are going to be dealing with uh, quite a bit of them. And this is going to be the rationale for maybe the Dolphins staying in it is that Gronk is out. That's going to be the second week, possibly more with those broken ribs. But they are going to also be out Antoine Winfield, the safety. He is out with a concussion. They're going to be getting Jamal Dean back, but he obviously is coming off a knee injury, so he's not 100%. We've noted the Murphy bunting injury from all the way in week one. Jason Pierre-Paul is questionable with a shoulder and a hand, and then Giovanni Bernard, who had a, a big game two weeks ago. Fantasy owners flocked go pick him up off the waiver wire, and then he missed last week's game. He is questionable to come back in this one. So Gronk will be out. That means that Cameron Bray and O.J. Howard are going to be filling in for his absence, and they might see some upticks in usage. And as for the Dolphins, I mean, look, the only thing that they're going to miss this week uh, of note is Will Fuller. He <laughs> injured again. This time it's not his hamstrings, which it usually is, but this time it's uh, he went on injured reserve. Uh, what was it, a finger or something? A broken, broken hand, broken finger. And so Will Fuller living up to his moniker of just injury will is going to be out on this one. De- Devontae Parker, who was their number one receiver for a couple of years past, he's questionable with a shoulder and a hamstring. So it looks like Jalen Waddle, right? I mean, it's the rookie's time. Time to shine here. So if the Dolphins are going to stay in this one and keep this one you know, under 10, it's going to be Jalen Waddle that's going to have to probably shine here and test that secondary of the Bucks. The next game on our list is another, I mean, you ask me, I think it's a stinker. It is the Panthers hosting the Eagles, right? So the Eagles came into the season, and there was some quiet optimism. Sirianni, obviously, was a disaster when he got hired with those terrible press conferences. But people loved their lines, and they thought there might be some uh, sneaky potential here with Hertz and Devontae Smith getting drafted and Miles Sanders, and it has all went downhill because the ship broke down they have dealt with injuries on both sides of the ball and now they have to go into Carolina and face off against the Panthers who all bite uh, getting smoked last week by the Cowboys uh, and you know I forgot what the final score was I don't have it in front of me but the game wasn't really as close as, as that score. Although, I don't think the score was that close anyway. I can't find the, uh, the result as of now. But anyway, point being that they were undefeated. They lost last week versus the Cowboys. Now they got to host the Eagles. Panthers are going to be favored here by three points. The, uh, the spread actually has come down from three and a half earlier in the week when we did the original pod. And as for the numbers, the tickets have gone up on the Panthers, up to 72%. But the money has come 
down mightily for the Panthers. And all of that cash swaying to the Eagles side. When we did the podcast on Wednesday, the Eagles only had 7% of the money pool. That is up to 63%. The over-under in this one is 46 points. Uh, Both my brother and I had went with the Panthers. Correction, I went with the Panthers. My brother went with the Eagles in this one. So we were split on opposite sides of the ball. In regard to injuries, the Eagles are going to be out there right tackle Lane Johnson, but they're going to be getting back Jordan Malata, uh, Malita Malata, like I said, I can't do names worth shit. But he had missed last week and the week before, so they're going to be losing a tackle and getting a tackle back. As for the Panthers, they're going to be out a couple of big pieces on the defensive front, that being linebacker Shaq Mason and Shaq Shaq Mason, Shaq Thompson. Shaq Mason also out, though, however. Shaq Thompson and then left tackle Cam Irving is also out of foot injury for him. Thompson dealing with neck issues. So... You know, the Panthers' defense has been a stronger part of their squad. Obviously, Sam Darnold has, you know, lived up to better expectations after having a horrific uh, tenure up in New York, went down to Carolina, and has performed, you know, adequately. Um, You know, I, I don't know about great, but he's definitely been okay. They obviously make the play on the defensive side of the ball to bring in uh, I'm not going to say Asante Samuel <laughs> because I did too much of that earlier in in the week, but they did turn around and they did grab Stephen Gilmore from the Patriots. They brought him in to try to sure up that defensive secondary. Obviously, they lost J.C. Horn uh, two weeks ago, the same week that they lost. Uh, uh, McCaffrey, uh, due to injury, he broke his foot, and so he's been out since. So in this one, um, I I don't know. You know, obviously my brother hasn't necessarily soured on the Eagles altogether. Uh, I, you know, I'm just going with the home team and the team that overall on the season has performed better so far. Um, I mean, as much as the Panthers, you know, they they lost J.C. Horn, they're going to be out two defense pieces here. The Eagles also have been riddled with injury on both sides of the ball and have not played well. So, you know, I don't know. It could go either way. I wouldn't put my names on either of these, but I went with the Panthers. My brother ended up going with the Eagles. So then we will take off and head up to Minneapolis for the next game. The next game is going to be the Vikings hosting the Lions. God, these Lions, they everybody loved them, everybody loved them, and then they had a game that they should have performed well last week, and they just stunk versus the Bears. So the Vikings have been one of these up-down teams, not sure what to make of them. They're linchpin for their offense, Dalvin Cook. He went out with injury two weeks ago. He played a little bit last week, but was really not great in the game. So they're going to be hosting now and having a big lead. That has gotten bigger since we did the podcast on Wednesday. It originally was nine 
points. It is all the way up to 10. The Sharps are coming in here on the Vikings. The tickets are split completely 50-50, and then the money has dialed up on the Vikings as the week has gone on because the money pool is now up to 73% from 60% earlier in the week. Over under in this one is 49.5 points. My brother and I both picked the Vikings in this one. We like the Sharps. Don't really see much left in the Lions. I mean, hey, Dan Campbell, <laughs> you know, I thought he was going to be a complete nutter joke. He hasn't been terrible as a, a coach. I mean, I thought there was just going to be a lot more one-liners and terrible cliche monsters coming out of his mouth. But it really hasn't. They, they, they've tried to play as good as they can, and they're making do with what they got, which is not a great squad and a quarterback in Jared Goff that, I, you know, I mean, look, he, the, the Rams didn't get rid of him for um, 30-plus-year-old Matt Stafford for no reason. And uh, the reason is what you see with the Lions. I mean, he's just an average quarterback, and that's what it is. So now he's got to go on the road and try to face off against the Vikings team, who's, you know, I, I mean, they're better. They're just simply better than what the Lions are. The question becomes, you know, is... 10 points too much, really. I mean, that that's what you're wondering if you're thinking about this game. It, obviously, looking at the tees, which was way better at 9 points to get that sucker down uh, below to 3 than it is at 10 when you're getting it to 4 points. So, obviously, now the field goal on a tease is going to end up losing you that game. In regard to injuries for the game, the Lions starters were all limited throughout the weekend. Uh, throughout the week, that is. So, all, all their starters were limited with the exception of uh, Penny Sewell. And he didn't practice. He, he's obviously the left tackle who they drafted number one draft pick. He didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday, got in a limited session on Friday. So if anybody uh, misses, then it probably will be Sewell. The other questionables on the list that were limited all week were Trey Flowers, the linebacker, tight end TJ Hawkinson, running back DeAndre Swift, and running back Jamal Williams. So all of those guys are banged up, but look good to play. Sewell will be the one player to monitor as the gets closer to kickoff time here. I mean, I was going to say as the week goes on, that well, that'd be impossible because the week's almost over. It is uh, 10.30 now, so keep an eye on that one. And then Dalvin Cook for the Vikings is the one person of note, like we said. He's going to give it a go again today. However, it sounds as though he's going to be limited at best. He's still battling that ankle issue from several weeks ago. The Titans who are coming off of that awful loss to the Jets in New uh, in whatever East Rutherford in New York, New Jersey actually because it's a New York team that plays in New Jersey as everybody who follows the NFL knows, but anyway, they leave the MetLife Stadium, the, the gray confines of MetLife Stadium, the dullest stadium on the planet, and they head back to Tennessee only to hop on a plane and then go down to Jacksonville, where they are going to be facing off against the Jaguars this week, and they are going to sit at a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. That has not moved from earlier in regard to the money and the tickets. Nothing has really moved. It's still heavy on the Titans, 87, 87% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Over under in this one is 48 and a half. The 
Sharps are going to lean in on the Jags on this one. Pretty easy, sharp prediction there. My brother and I both took the Titans. Jaguars are really just terrible. And, I I mean, even at four and a half, no, nobody has done anything on this game other than their initial gut reaction, which was Titans and the four and a half. There's going to be some injury changes from last week for the Titans because, obviously, the Titans were out a shit ton of people when they faced off against the Jets. They won't be nearly as banged up this week, but they are still going to be out. Some people, the two notables, are going to be Julio Jones. He is going to be out for the second week in a row. And linebacker Jayon Brown, he is also going to be out. He's battling a, a knee injury. The Jaguars, meanwhile, I mean, really, Tyson Campbell, the cornerback, he's battling that toe issue, and they're not quite sure if he is going to be playing in this one. But I'm not sure it quite matters. I mean, this becomes the Jaguars are a team that is in complete flux. They try to hire Urban Meyer on, you know, hopes and dreams that he can come in and build a college program, I guess a la Jimmy Johnson. And all that's happened is that the team has looked bad. Nothing looks like it's going right. The talent isn't there. And then he goes about gallivanting with, you know, blonde chicks out in uh, where was he? He was in Ohio somewhere, Cleveland? I don't know, whatever it was. But he stays in Ohio uh, when the Jags fly back, and then he gets caught, you know, the whole bullshit you heard all week long about him hanging out with a chick. Hey, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to get fired or not. I, I think that would be a, a pretty crazy long play to try to get shit canned by, you know, putting yourself out in public. I, you know. Whatever it is, the Jaguar organization is not looking good. And the Titans uh, suffered a terrible loss last week, and now they got to go down to Jacksonville. And the one thing Titans do is, is they do the things they do well consistently. So they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to keep improving on the defense that was terrible at the beginning of the year and looked a little bit better until they fell apart last week. And they're just going to keep doing that into Jacksonville, where Jacksonville doesn't know what the hell they do well at this point. So my brother and I both took the Titans in that one, as has everybody with the exception of the Sharps. So the Steelers are going to host the Broncos next. And this game has gotten super nuts because earlier in the week, the Broncos were underdogs. The Steelers were favorite. The money was in on the Steelers because Drew Locke was going to be the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Well, that whole thing has changed because it looks as though Teddy Bridgewater is going to be back from concussion protocol and it's going to play in this game. So now everything has changed. And now the Broncos went from being the underdog to the favorite, making the Jaguars a home dog here. And so the Broncos now are going to have the sharps on them. They're also going to have the money and the tickets flowing into their side. Now the Steelers are still favored in this one in both of those regards because the tickets have the Steelers picked by at 57%, and the money pool is just barely on the Steelers now at 52%. But that is down way far from where it was earlier in the week, where it was 67% 
tickets in favor of the Steelers and 69% of the money. So the Broncos right now are seeing all the money in the late of the week flow in on them, which has now changed this spread three whole points. Over under in this one is 39.5, so nobody looking for a lot of action on the offensive side of the ball, looking at the Steelers' defense, which I don't know, people think is good, they performed okay, but they're always hurt, versus the Broncos' defense, which has really performed well through the first four weeks of the season. So, uh, a Look, originally my brother and I both picked the Steelers because Teddy Bridgewater wasn't playing. Uh, in hindsight, I, I can't change it because we do everything set in stone. That way we can keep the stats and all the rest of it. But I think at this point you would easily pick the the Broncos here on the road if Bridgewater is good to go because the Steelers proved several weeks ago when they played uh, the Bengals at home that the home field doesn't matter. And... Uh, poor Big Ben, you know, he used to be bad on the road and good at home, and now he's bad all over the place. So that's where we lay now at five weeks into the season is with a terrible Steelers squad with a banged-up defense and a Broncos team who has performed well, even though last week obviously lost to the Ravens, but there was, you know, uh, other factors at play there with Bridgewater getting knocked out of that game. So... Uh, do what you will there. I think that I would easily switch my pick to the Broncos. I can't. I went with the Steelers. So I'm hoping for some kind of miracle uh, over there in uh, Heinz Field. So the Packers are going to be traveling on the road. They're going to be headed to Cincinnati, who just mentioned before had that win versus the Steelers several weeks ago. Then had Thursday night. Uh, the Thursday night game where they came from behind down 14 nothing at half to beat those shitty Jaguars who we talked about previously. And so in this one, the Packers are favored by three points. And what you have seen here is the tickets start to float over toward the Bengals while the money has started to come in toward the Packers. So you have your pros versus Joes in that regard. The Packers had 81% of the ticket total earlier in the week. That has come down to 71, but on the money side, they have seen an uptick of about 10% in related to the money pool, so now 67% of that pool is in on the Packers. So the over-under in this one is 51. The Sharps are going to come in on the Bengals. My brother and I both picked the Packers here. We were heavy chalk all week and taking the favorites, and we did the same thing here. Again, the Bengals, for as much as you'd like to give them a little credit because you're really pulling for any quarterback in this league to show signs of improvement because the quarterbacks really make this league go. The question really is, look, it's Joe Burrow, and they had to come from behind against the Jaguars last week. Are they going to be able to do that same thing against the Packers, who might have not had a fantastic 2021 have really come along since that first week disaster in Jacksonville versus the Saints. Go figure. Uh, So, and I I did not think so. I, I think the Bengals are a nice story, a team to watch. However, you know, you just don't know if they're going to be able to do that against the Packers and, and be able to keep it close with the Packers' offense, uh, hitting uh, the, the way that they do. Now, injuries may come into play in this one, as the 
Packers' number one defensive player, Jari Alexander, I mean, depending on what you think, I think he's, he's the best that they have. He is going to be out with a shoulder injury. So with him out, and the Bengals getting T. Higgins back, plus you got Jamar Chase, uh, Boyd also on that squad. That that could factor into the results of this game. I, I don't know that it necessarily will, but if the Bengals are to stay in this game and possibly win it, you would imagine it was going to be through the air because that's what Joe Burrow does and because Jari Alexander is injured and not going to play in this game. And so that's a, that's a tough one against the, the Bengals wide receiving core there. As for the Bengals, they are going to possibly, most likely be out Joe Mixon. Um, he battled that ankle, ankle injury which kept him out of the back half of last week when you know it was huge game on the line and they needed to get some yardage for that uh, field goal. Mixon was not on the field, unfortunately. So he missed practice all week after that. So you would imagine he's not going to go. Uh, so it'll be uh, Sam Perrine replacing him in that one uh, at uh, tailback if he can't go. So, I mean, the... And one of the bonuses, so they're going to lose Mixon, but they will be getting back T. Higgins, as I mentioned. He missed uh, last week. He missed the past couple weeks, I think. Um, and then Jesse Bates, too, because they both missed uh, last week's game uh, over Pittsburgh and uh, the week before, if I'm not mistaken, with Jacksonville. Uh, so they're going to be getting two players, two, two starters back while they might be losing their tailback. Again, of all the injuries in this one, the biggest question mark is going to be the Packers and Jari Alexander. So uh, we will see if Mr. Rogers can get another victory here on the road versus Cincinnati. And the final game of the 4 o'clock schedule will see the Washington football team, who right now is trying to prevent the (laughs) police and uh, feds from locking up their entire training staff as, as i guess the uh, they have now questioned a, a second member of that training staff if i'm not mistaken so now i and the feds came in and, and raided the one guy's house you got to read the story it's crazy it's it sounds like it's something related to prescription medication uh, and the washington training staff which is like the last thing the goddamn washington football team needs at this point since uh, you know they've been dealing with nothing but uh, you know, n- nightmare scenarios ever since the investigation into them, you know, <laughs> basically just treating girls like, uh, I don't know, I, I was going to say hookers, but I couldn't necessarily say that. That would probably be libel or slanderous, but uh, not treating women well uh, within the walls of their frat house organization. And then they have to deal with, uh, you know, feds raiding their trainers' uh, houses. And then there's also news this week, which I'll talk about at a podcast at a later date, maybe tonight or tomorrow. But they also have some kind of relevance to the John Gruden fiasco as the emails that were publicized were sent from Gruden to the Washington football team. Uh, You know, uh, no longer there, but uh, the... Who is it? Was Allen? Uh, it was Bruce Allen that, that the emails went to. But uh, regardless, the Washington football team just is not the member club that you want to have a part with, uh, at least right now. They're trying to change it. Ron Rivera uh, doing, a, you know, a brave man's 
brave man's work there uh, with Washington. But here, all right, enough. You know, I'm, I'm fucking rambling and stammering. The football team right now is underdogs by two and a half as they face off against the Saints. And this spread was one and a half earlier in the week. So the money has been coming in on the Saints as the week's gone on, and that jacked up the point total, the spread total here by one full point. The over-under in this one is going to be 43 and a half. Right now, what you're seeing is the tickets big on the Saints at 73, although it has not moved as the week's gone on, but the money has come in on the Saints as the week did go on. So, it was at 40 on Wednesday. It's now all the way up to 65% of the money pool on the Saints. The Sharps obviously moved to the other side of the ball, and they're going to take the Washington football team. My brother ended up taking the Saints. I took the Washington football team. Um, I got questions about that now, but hey, you know, you can't Put the genie back in the bottle, not the way that we do it. So um, we're going to be split on this one. I think I probably, in hindsight, seeing how this week has gone on, I I might be liking the Saints, but Taylor Heineke, when I first made my pick, was where I went with this one. I was taking the better quarterback at home and a defense that I thought could come around, and we'll just have to see if that is the case. In regard to the injuries, uh, right now, what we're looking at is the Saints still missing their center, Eric McCoy. He's had that calf injury. He's been out for a while now with that. And then the football team is going to be short, possibly their running back, Antonio Gibson. comes out t- Came out that he's dealing with a shin injury that he's basically just going to have to battle all year long. And he's just going to have to play through pain. And that's the deal. So you'll probably see McKissick get utilized uh, a lot lot more as you have the entire year as you've seen him his utilization numbers go up due to the fact that Gibson is banged up so I don't know if that will play a part in this week's game Uh, and I think I've said that about any injury Uh, I don't none of those injuries really impact what I was doing here again I'm taking Heineke and what I believe is the better quarterback at home that takes us to our four o'clock games where the Chicago Bears are dealing with not as bad a scenario as the Washington football team, as at least in regard to the overall, you know, uh, the overall member club. However, on the field, uh, they're dealing with as much of a disaster because they have not performed well. And Matt Nagy is just, I mean, he's just throwing darts at a dartboard here, trying to get something to work. And so now he is going to stick with with uh, Justin Fields at under center, and they are going to try to hope that, well, they're going to try to. They're going to try to use Fields and his potential reach that potential, and upset the Raiders here on the road at the Death Star. Uh, it, right now, Vegas doesn't think that's going to happen because the Raiders are currently five-and-a-half-point favorites. They were m- bigger favorites in terms of the tickets and the money earlier in the week. Those numbers have come down. The tickets have not come down that much. They came down 71 to eight to 71 to 68%, but the money came down quite a bit because it was at 93% and it's now down to 81. Still, big numbers in on the Raiders and the 5.5 there. The Sharps are going to go and they're going to pick out the Bears and then the over-under in this one is 45.5. My brother and I both picked the Raiders. I, the Bears have given me nothing that 
that is going to give me confidence in their performance uh, and their, uh, well, their performance. They're not going to give me any uh, confidence in their ability to try to pull one off out on the road here. Um, we'll go to the injury report. Obviously, David Montgomery, he bat- he got dealt that knee injury last week, and he is going to be out. Damian Williams will come in and step in in his place. As for the Raiders, their injuries are going to be big on the defensive side. So Damon Arnett, uh, he was their draft pick last year. He got injured in last week's game. He's going to be out this week, as is their other cornerback, Trayvon Mullen. He's going to be out with a toe injury. So, um, you know, it looks like they're going to be looking at secondary, uh, a secondary full of rookies, uh, at least rookie involvement in that one. So if Justin Fields is to have a game, it might be here against that Raiders defense that is featuring rookies uh, in their secondary. Well, we we will see. But, I, you know, th- the big thing about this game is going to be how do the Raiders respond to the recent John Gruden uh, controversy because, hey, look, the, the fact is, is that if you believe Gruden, then it's a non-story. Uh, I mean, whatever he wrote is in print. And so now it's going to be all interpretation as to what he meant when he wrote that. He is saying that it was analogous with liars, if you believe that, okay. Um, but if the Raiders team, or at least a good portion of them, uh, being black players, don't, you know, this could be the beginning of watching the Raiders falling apart. Now, I, I'm not that players play for the coach more than they play for themselves. I mean, everybody gets paid. They're big boys. Football is a fraternal sport. So, you know, ultimately you want to play for you and your fellow players more than your coach. But uh, an event like this it has the potential to cut a team right in half. It just does. Especially in today's political environment and the fact that, I mean, race is just a really killer factor um, with any uh, types of sports teams and especially with the person that's thrown under the microscope being the head coach. Just rough. But... Uh, like I said, I'll address that at a later date on just a quick pod all dedicated to that. Um, right now, I'm just going to be talking about the game, and my brother and I both picked the Raiders in this one. Good game at 4 o'clock. Probably the best of the bunch, although, I mean, the other three games are all good. And these are the ones that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about the Chargers hosting the Browns, the Cowboys hosting the Giants, and the Cardinals hosting the 49ers. Chargers-Browns is the game that we've got now, and that is probably the best of this bunch. I mean, this is a good game right here. So the Chargers earlier in the week were one-and-a-half-point favorites, and that is where it will stay. Um, As for the money and the tickets, they have come in slightly in favor of the tickets for the Chargers. They were 56% favorites. Now they are 63. But, but the money has come in quite a bit on the Chargers because the Chargers were 30% favorites in the money pool, and that's gone all the way up to 63%. So in regard to injuries, here we go. There are going to be some injuries in this one of note, and they are going to be for the Browns, and they're going to be on you know basically both sides of the ball. But their defensive back, Greg Newsom, is going to be out. 
He also missed last week's game, but they're not going to get him back here against a Chargers team that has a solid offense. They are going to be out their offensive tackle, Chris Hubbard. He's been out the past couple of weeks. He's actually going to the IR. He's going to have surgery on that tricep, so he's going to be out. The newest addition on that line to the injury list is going to be Jedrick Wills, the left tackle. He's going to be out. He was battling injury, and then he was questionable all week, and they moved him to out. So you have one starter who's been out uh, basically the whole year. I think it's been the whole year in Hubbard. Um, And then you have Newsom and Wills who are going to be out. So they get the offensive defensive side of the ball there. And then you have other notables to the injury list, that being Jadavion Clowney. He is questionable with a knee injury, but Miles Garrett is a, a player who did not practice on Friday. So he said he was going to be able to play, but he's got some kind of knee ankle injury, and usually you practice a little bit on Friday before you play in a game on Sunday. However, I, that didn't happen for Garrett there. So those are the big injuries, and they're they are notable injuries, right? And you got other little things like, you know, quarterback, cornerback Troy Hill, he's battling a toe injury. Uh, Denzel Ward, he's battling a neck injury. Uh, Ninjoku, he also was dealing with a knee injury this week. So, I mean, the Browns have injuries. They, they, they certainly do. And so against a, a Chargers team that is relatively healthy, uh, unless you, you know, want to say, you know, Justin Jackson, who's doubtful, you know, oh, you're going to miss something in the running back position. You won't. God doesn't play. So, you know, they the Browns are going to have to take their, their defense, which has been fantastic. And how good have they been? Well, I saw a note by the Pick 6 podcast that I saw yesterday, and I took a snapshot of it. And here is the breakdown. The Browns' defense has been on defense for 23 total drives in the past two weeks. So the past two weeks, they've been on the field for 23 drives. They have allowed points on only three of those drives. Three of 23. The other 20, they blanked the other team. So this is a legit defense. And as my brother and I talked about uh, earlier in the week, I mean, they're probably the one, right? I mean, you're talking about legit defenses. You're probably thinking Browns right now. Uh, Now, they're going to be having injuries going into this game versus the Chargers. um, And that might play a a, a bigger role than you would have thought about earlier in the week when you didn't know about things such as, you know, Wills being out and then Garrett, uh, you know, possibly missing the game. Who knows? But anyway, what you have seen in regard to the impact on the gambling uh, lines is that while the line has stayed, the tickets have come in a little bit on the Chargers and a lot on the money. Uh, now the over/under is 46 and a half. The Sharps are going to pick the Browns in this one. And uh, if I had not mentioned, if I did, I'm repeating myself. But my brother and I are going to be taking the Chargers in this. Look, I just don't like, I just don't like Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry, and he's battling injury too, right? They said he's got the rotator cuff on his non-throwing shoulder. From that block that he threw, I believe that's where he injured it. But I'm just not a big fan of Baker Mayfield. And I know that their defense has been doing a fantastic job in getting them to where they are this season. They have a great running game in uh, Chubb and Hunt. But I think you're going to need Baker to play in this game. And he's always my question mark. So I'm taking the Chargers as is my brother. The second of the big 4 o'clock games is 
Cowboys Giants. Now, why would it be a good game? You know, a, a big game with the Giants. I mean, the Giants are terrible. They're one and three. Yeah, they are. But it's an NFC East game, and everybody is kind of trying to pick the Giants as a, a potential for a playoff run going forward because Daniel Jones is playing well. And Saquon Barkley has come around a little bit off his injury. So people, you know, they're, they've got, uh, there's a small underground push now for uh, people on the Jets, uh, the Jets, the Giants bandwagon here. I am a Giant fan and I don't see it. Uh, reason being that, you know, this Giants defense has not performed well all year. The offense has performed well. It's the complete opposite. It's bizarro world, right, compared to 2020. And you were hoping that both would come along. So the Giants get this win last week versus the Saints when they're down, down 11 points late in the game. Six minutes left, I think it was. And the only reason that they stayed in this game was because the Saints completely screwed up a coverage. And, well, what do you mean? That's what happens in these games. Okay, yeah, I, I, I understand. I understand that moments in time, their plays happen, you know, on either team. But what I'm saying is that at 11 points up, all you had to do was tell your team, look, just don't give up the big play. And for them to screw it up, I, I mean, nobody even touched Barkley on his touchdown uh, pass. And it was just, what are you guys doing? So they turn that into a win when the Saints just go into the tank. And for some reason now, the fact that they were down 11 with six minutes left and the Saints completely screwed up has become the Giants, you know, have potential here. (laughs) Whatever, man. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. You watch this Giants team week in and week out, and you see all the flaws that it has. And it has a ton. And they all go back just to the quality of the roster that roster which is going to be depleted this week again uh, in terms of injury. But um, I I just can't see this push that I continually hear from people about the Giants. Anyway, in this game, the Cowboys are favored by 7. They are going to be um, the favorite in terms of the tickets and the money. However, that has come down. Earlier in the week, they had the Sharps on their side. They had 80% of the tickets and 89% of the money. Right now, the Sharps have went over to the Giants side and the money has come down from 89 to 78 and the tickets have come down from 80 down to 70 so Giants getting love here in this regard over under in this one is 52 and a half I picked the Cowboys for reasons I already alluded to my brother picked the Giants because he believes in this potential that he sees and so that's where we're going to lie in this one I hope the Giants win but I picked against them because that's what I believe but then again I, I have not done good all year so don't listen to anything I say. The Cardinals 49ers final game of 4 o'clock to be played in State Farm Stadium out in Arizona. The Cardinals 5.5 point favorites. 50 is the over-under. Right now, the Cardinals are the Sharps pick. They also owned the tickets, but the money has flown in on the 49ers, and the tickets have also shifted a little bit toward them as well. So earlier in the week, the Cardinals were 65% favorites 
when talking about ticket total. That is down to 55. They were 87% favorite in the money pool, and that has come all the way down to 38. So the 49ers have actually taken the majority of the money at this point on Sunday. The Sharps uh, had not picked a side early in the week. They are now in on the Cardinals. So Cardinals 5.5, 48.5 is the over-under. My brother and I both picked the Cardinals. I, I see that the money is going into the 49ers here. They've got Trey Lance there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to what to make of the possibility of Trey Lance going under center and throwing, you know, bombs and, and running with his feet. I, I don't see it. The Cardinals have played very well, well above my expectations, and I can't all of a sudden turn around now and say, ah, you know what? No, I'm going with the 49ers. Uh, probably last week. Uh, last week, I probably would have picked the 49ers in this spot, uh, but not here. So I am going with the Cardinals, as is my brother. In regards to injuries, uh, right now, I guess the biggest note of this game so far is that George Kittle will be out. He was doubtful earlier with a calf that was moved to doubt and they threw him on the IR. Garoppolo obviously out, so Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback. As for the Cardinals, they're going to have a couple people on the injury list of note. Cornerback uh, Byron Murphy, he's going to be out with a rib injury. And then you got Kelvin Beecham, uh, he's banged up with ribs. Chase Edmonds, he's banged up with a shoulder. So possible more work for James Conner in that one. Um, so that, that that's the injuries uh, to look for and see if they have some kind of impact. It has not impacted the line at all, which has stayed at 5.5, but the money definitely has come in a little bit here on the 49ers, both in regards to the tickets and definitely in regards to the money. So the next two games are our night games. Yes. So our first one is our Sunday night football game. And it's a good one. Probably the best game of the weekend. It is the Chiefs hosting the Bills at Arrowhead Stadium. The spread is three points in favor of the Chiefs. The Bills have the Sharps coming in on them. The money is coming in on the Chiefs, but the tickets are coming in on the Bills. We are split all over the place in this game. Over under 56 and a half points. Brothers Eggy also split on this game. My brother ended up taking the Bills. I am taking the Chiefs yet again. Look, I pick the Chiefs every week. And, you know, they continually let me down as their journey against the spread, uh, the struggles against the spread, I should say, is well documented. And it will obviously, con- you know, possibly continue here. But it's going to be tough being three points. Uh, the point. Where, where am I going with this? I, sometimes, you know, the brain moves and the mouth keeps moving and the brain and the mouth don't connect and the shit that flies out of your mouth doesn't make any sense. They've struggled against the spread. And here you're getting a gift if you like the Chiefs uh, against the spread because it's only three points. If they continue to struggle against the spread, they're probably going to lose this game at home. 
in which case you're going to hear a lot of people tomorrow saying, what is wrong with the Chiefs? The Chiefs are in trouble. And then, you know, oh, was it a figment? What happened? You know, why is the team not performing well? You know, it, it's just going to be a big disaster. They lose this one. So I picked them. My brother likes the Chiefs. I'm, my brother likes the Bills. So he went on the other side of this one. So we are going to be split. It's going to be a good game anyway you cut it up because these are two of the better teams in football and you get them in a night game, which is awesome. In regard to the injuries, uh, let's see, what do we got going for the injuries in this game? Is there anything big to know? Well, in regard to the Bills, they could be out Matt Milano, who is their linebacker, and he's really good, and he's especially good in coverage. So with the Chiefs utilizing the pass so much and using Andy Reid's offensive schemes, a loss of him could be a really big deal uh, in this one, and be, especially with Travis Kelsey, right, at tight end. So wherever Milano fits into his coverage, which is usually over the middle of the field, so you're talking about quarterback, running backs out of the backfield plus uh, Travis Kelsey, that could be a big loss. For the Chiefs, Chris Jones, the defensive, their defensive tackle slash defensive end, uh, wherever they moved him to, he, he's not had a great year. He's been banged up, as had... Uh, uh, their, their other end, uh, and Jones is going to miss this one again. So, well, he's not going to miss this one. He's questionable, but he did not practice all week. So if he does go, it's going to be a completely hamstrung uh, Chris Jones here on the defensive side of the ball. So not a lot of injuries, but some key ones. We'll, we'll see what happens at Arrowhead come 8-20 tonight. Should be a good one, hoping for a good one, because the final game of the week I don't think is going to be nearly as good. Yes, Monday night football. It sees the Ravens versus the Colts, which earlier in the year probably lined up to be a really good game. But as it has evolved, that being the season, the Ravens have come along. They battled injuries, but through it all, they have performed well. The Colts have been trying, but just floundering. They can't get anything going their way. The injuries are significant, and they've impacted the team quite a bit. You've got in the typical chopped up uh, chopped up Carson Wentz because he just can't figure out how to stay on the field and stay healthy. It just isn't in his blood. He can't do it. So, um, you know, he has continued to play, which has been pretty crazy, especially since it was like a Liz Frank injury and then it was two, you know, busted up ankles and he's, and he's played through it all. Uh, so kudos to Mr. Wentz for uh, playing well. But in this game, they're going to be out. Tackle Braden Smith. Nelson went on the IR, so he's out. Um, well, I shouldn't say Braden Smith out. He missed practice on Friday, as did center Ryan Kelly and their rookie defensive end, Quiddy Pay. Nelson definitely is out of these games, but those other guys all missed practice on Friday. Uh, they also were short uh, Darius Leonard. He practiced but was limited, uh, and running back Naheem Hines was also limited in practice on Friday. And on the flip side, the Ravens uh, have been dealing with the Ronnie Staley thing ever since last year, and it, he missed practice uh 
uh, Villanueva, he also missed practice. So one of their linchpins on the line in Staley, and then one of their new additions in Villanueva, both missed practice. Um, you know, who knows if they're going to play. They probably won't. Staley's definitely going to be out. Villanueva tried to go last week, and he couldn't finish. So you would imagine that if he didn't practice, he's going to be out this week. Regardless, this game is going to stand at a seven-point spread in favor of the Ravens. The tickets are in on the Ravens at 66% and 67% of the money. That 67% of the money is up 17% from earlier in the week. It was an even 50-50 split when we first did the podcast on Wednesday, and now the money has definitely come in on the Ravens here. The Sharps have not taken a side because this is the Monday night game, so they're all going to wait until later. The over-under is 46.5 in this one, and my brother and I picked the Ravens. Seven is a big spread. Would have liked it a little bit less, but you know the Colts just have... Too much going on, and not to mention that they got to go on the road for this one, and so that's a that's a tough ask for a banged up team without their best lineman um, and a couple other notables to go in on the road and play against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, who really have been figuring it out and performing well, even though they have dealt with injuries of their own. So, uh, for that reason, the Eggie brothers both picked the Ravens. So, that's it. There we go. That is all the games wrapped up here with a little time left before kickoff on Monday. So, in uh, kickoff on Sunday. Stupid out. So, enjoy your days. Good luck with all of your wagers. Hope that you all win. And then we will talk to you later in the week. Peace. Audi 5000. Enjoy your Sundays.